20-minute modernist. Can you tell us sort of the origin story of Ant Farm? Okay, well, uh, I graduated from uh, architecture school at Tulane University in 1968. And, uh, you know, nobody in my class, uh, we were all uh, facing either the draft or some way of avoiding the draft. Uh, Nobody wanted really to go into work for a corporate architecture firm because of the counterculture and other influences of the 60s. And I had met uh, Doug Michaels when he came to Tulane and lectured uh, the year before I graduated, and we'd stayed in touch. And so uh, we met out in, of course, San Francisco. Uh, I came out here to attend the Halpern workshop Barry Halpern, the landscape architect, and his wife, Anna Halpern, the dancer. And um, we decided to found an alternative architecture practice. And we described it to a friend as underground architecture because, of course, at that point in time, you had underground newspapers, underground radio, underground films in San Francisco. So we were underground architects. And she said, oh, like the ant farm, the toy I had as a kid. So immediately we had a perfect name, metaphorical name and logo and official color because ant farms only came in green back then. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Necessity is the mother of pretty much everything. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, say that. Uh, Excellent. Okay. Um, And now I wanted to ask about really one of the pieces that I can remember hearing about when I was a kid was House of the Century. Yeah. Well, um, initially, of course, as an alternative architecture practice, we didn't have any clients walking through the door. And we had to invent our own projects. And we did a series of experiments with uh, inflatable structures, which were cheap and symbolically opposite of what we'd learned in college, which would be brutalism, modernist brutalism. Mm -hmm. But um, in 1969 uh, in Houston, we, uh, Doug and I were teaching at the University of Houston and we took a slideshow of our uh, collage work to the Contemporary Arts Museum uh, to try and show it to a curator, you know, just walking to the front door. the curator was not around, but this woman who was a volunteer said, oh, I'd like to see your slideshow. So that was uh, Marilyn Oshman. That's how we met. And uh, that was the beginning of a friendship, which eventually turned into the house of the century. Uh, and that was about, let's see, that was 1969. So it was three years later when... Uh, she kind of said conditionally, yes, you know, let's do this project uh, to build a vacation house at a property the family had outside of Houston. Hmm. Uh, Excellent. And when was the last time you actually saw it? Uh, I think it was in, let's see, I was going to say 2011. 
I, I organized a trip there with uh, a friend who I had met who teaches in the preservation, architectural preservation program at Columbia University, Jorge Otero Palos. And um, we, we went there, um, and, and Marilyn sort of funded the, this trip, and just to have a discussion about the possibility of restoring it, uh, because it was damaged, um, it was damaged in a flood, uh, which I think occurred maybe in 2000 or 2001. And at the time, they didn't do any restoration after the flood damaged uh, the physical structure, including the floor, which was a kind of sculpted, sculpted floor. Uh, so we spent, we spent um, three, three days there and uh, came up with, you know, sort of a series of options or a framework for how she might uh, approach restoring it. But ultimately, nothing has been done since then. So uh, it's in very poor physical condition. It's not really habitable. Uh, but the, the concrete shell itself is uh, still complete. And uh, yeah, so that's that's the thing. I mean, if you live long enough as an architect, you will see your <laughs> your creative work uh, either disappear by by virtue of development or uh, be destroyed by some form of nature. I think.